Thanks for tuning in to another edition of The Policy Shop, the first of 2019. I'm Joe Kaiser, and today joined by Orfe Davungi and Bryce Hill of the Illinois Policy Institute's policy team to discuss two major policy developments in the new General Assembly. One, a minimum wage hike that just passed the Senate and will likely become law. And two, the always looming prospect of a progressive tax, which we know really is just a middle class tax hike. We'll dive into all this and more of what's developing in Springfield, what it means for the state's economy, and some encouraging news for taxpayers, too, that you should look out for. This episode was originally recorded as part of a Facebook live stream, so you'll hear me welcome you once more, as well as respond to comments in real time. And all that begins right now. Thanks for joining us, guys. I'm Joe Kaiser here with a couple members of our policy team, Bryce Hill and Orfe Devungi. We're going to be talking about some really important things going on in Springfield and throughout the state. Um, it's been pretty busy since, just an issue-based thing, since the General Assembly came back last month. A lot of big topics have been coming up. One, people are talking about the minimum wage after it passed the Senate yesterday. And then two, something we've been talking about for a while is the progressive income tax and the, that looming looming idea of the progressive income tax coming, especially with J.B. Pritzker now as governor. Um, so let's jump into those. And if you guys have any questions, we'll take your questions later on in the show related to those two topics and pretty much anything else we want to get into. But let's start with the minimum wage, because obviously that's the biggest news out of Springfield this week. Right. It seemingly will become law or an increase in the minimum wage to $15 an hour over the next several years after it passed the Senate yesterday. What are your initial reactions like that? Um, Orfe, we were talking off air just a few minutes ago about how there's plenty of research out there on the minimum wage. It's not like people don't know about its effects. What are your guys' reactions right away to the minimum wage passing? Right. I, I think it's, uh, you know, it was politically driven. Um, you know, there's this perception that they're trying to put out there that they're doing something for uh, low-income families in the state. But we know, you know, all the research shows that you know, low-paying jobs that require fewer skills uh, are the ones that are going to be the first to go. So actually, it's going to hurt the people they were trying to, they were trying to help, um, especially uh, since, you know, I saw a bunch of proposals about, you know, a graduated uh, structure, a wage structure. Uh, you know, wage, average wages in Chicago are very different from wages in, let's say, Denville, right? And so, um, you know, I'm sure the minimum wage hike in Denville will have uh, more of a negative effect than it will in Chicago. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's why you see like, like Seattle, a big big city passing a minimum wage hike. You don't see you know downstate rural communities passing right. minimum wage hikes. So like a statewide thing, it's treating every city in Illinois the same. And we know beyond just wages, Chicago and Danville or Springfield, wherever they're a lot different places. Right. Yeah. And most states that have passed similar legislation do it on this basis of having varying rates for large cities like New York versus upstate New York or, you know, in the case of Seattle, I believe the rest of the state has a different minimum wage uh, to follow. So I think that's the most surprising thing out of seeing the minimum wage bill move. Not necessarily that it got increased, but just that it's this uniform increase that seems like it's going to happen. Yeah, Illinois is a really diverse state, not just uh, in terms of, you know, different ethnicities, different people from all over the country moving here, but also just Go to downstate Illinois, go to Chicago. It's a lot of people treat it like two different states. And we see right. people in the Lincoln lobby 
and elsewhere talking about this all the time, how it feels often like there's two different states or three different states. You can't really treat Illinois as uniform in, in any policy. Oh, that's correct. Uh, you know, we, we know that the, the state is vastly different. Uh, we know that border cities are more likely to be uh, susceptible to uh, people leaving, going to, you know, Wisconsin, that's Indiana. Right. Um, and, and we see that in Denville, for example, right? So we see, a, we see that population falling. Um, we see that they haven't uh, really uh, done well, benefited from the economic recovery in the last 10 years. Uh, things like that are just going to make things worse. Yeah, there's one uh, community downstate Illinois that I spent some time in a couple of years ago doing a story, Newton, Illinois, which is in Jasper County. In Jasper County, the, the, the average weekly wages are $755, so it's a lot less than in Chicago. And there's one um, business owner down there that we talked to, Rick Lindeman, who owns a printing service, who's talking about, you know, now with a $15 minimum wage, Indiana could be in my future because Newton's really close right. to Indiana. And that's what you're going to see in downstate communities. I mean, it seems like common sense. And that's why I guess that, that's the most surprising thing, like you guys said, is why not give a local option or why not make different policies across the state? Why do this uniform thing? And Or if, like you mentioned at the outset, there's a political, politically driven motivation there. That's right. Uh, another thing that I thought was surprising is, uh, and I won't mention any names, you know, my conversation with some lawmakers, uh, both Republican and Democrats, you know, some of them are business owners, so they understand, you know, um, you know, you know, especially in areas that are uh, low income areas, uh, areas that are not doing very well right now. You know, a minimum wage hike for those business owners uh, will be disastrous, but none of them uh, decided to stick their neck out there and stand up, stand up for their communities. That's that's unfortunate. Right. So the other big thing that we're going to be looking at down the road is the progressive income tax. And that, so these two almost go hand in hand when you talk about the political motivations behind it, because there's some kind of demonization of, I don't, even, I, don't, I don't even want to say demonization. There's this thought process where you're not thinking of business owners or the upper class. Like, you see this a lot in national politics. You have politicians who say, you know, businesses are hoarding profits or like the 1% are hoarding profits. And that's the, the source that we need to go to raise taxes on the wealthy, and that's going to cure all the ails for everybody else. That's, that's a kind of popular opinion. And you see that with public opinion where it's like, would you support raising taxes on the top 5% or the top 1% to fix our budget? And people kind of support that idea when it's phrased that way. But these policies have different consequences and a minimum wage, or excuse me, a progressive income tax hike in Illinois, given all the problems that the state has, can't be, can't fix the budget just by going after, you know, the top 5%, the top 1% or, or anything like that. There's a lot of misnomers about the minimum wage, about a progressive income tax. And there is political motivations, I think, behind both of those for sure. Yeah, we can't fix the state's budget unless we deal with, one, how we set budgets, and two, the spending priorities of the state. So when you have state budgets that are growing you know, 50% faster than Illinoisans' ability to pay for it, uh, then we're going to be left with income tax hikes no matter what the rates are. So... And the reason why we haven't heard any rates from the progressive income tax, despite all the conversation around it, is because in order to pay for these things and to not enact any structural reforms, is it's going to have to be a tax hike. Right, on the middle class. On the middle class, yeah. on everybody probably. Yeah, on everybody. Because you can't just fix it by taxing just a select few of rich people who could probably move, and like the people downstate could probably move and take their capital somewhere else. Anyway, I mean, why, why stay in Illinois? Those really. people are already moving, yeah. too. Like, we see that every, every year we look at IRS data and we see that 
the people who are moving tend to be more well off. They have the means to move. Uh, so so by by going this route, we're just punishing the people who choose to stay. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And, and you know, you also have the um, uh, state and local tax deduction changes at the federal level, right, that are going to make things uh, worse. You know, it amplifies uh, disparities or di- tax differentials between uh, states. And it's, uh, the result is most states are going to try to cut their, their tax burden. And we see Illinois going in a different direction. And that kind of, you know, makes me go crazy. I, I don't understand why most states are cutting taxes to attract capital, to attract investment, create more jobs, and Illinois is going the other, in the other direction. That's something that's always frustrating about Illinois is, is you can look at other states and see what policies they're doing and what's working and what's not working. You have 50 different laboratories of democracy, right. and we take the worst ideas. And we actually have a comment on Facebook from uh, Jeremy Lakash who says, look at the struggles in New York right now. They passed a progressive income tax and the rich are fleeing. And you even saw Andrew Cuomo talking about this right. recently saying, they said tax the rich, tax the rich. Look, the, the rich left. And they're seeing that with their budget now. Right. Um, we take the worst ideas from other states. We look at New York and California and, and adopt the worst ideas instead of looking at Indiana or Wisconsin or Kentucky. Right. In fact, a lot of our uh, people are going to uh, Wisconsin. 33%, I think, of migrants are going to Wisconsin and Indiana. Um, you know, the rest are going to Florida, Texas, you know, places where, you know, uh, the economy is thriving. And on top of that, they got the great weather. <laughs> so, right, right, right. So getting away from this, uh, from this area. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we were looking at the data recently. And so Connecticut, Connecticut was the last state to um, go from uh, no income tax to a, to a flat tax and then to a progressive income tax. And, uh, and that was roughly about 20 odd years ago. And what we see from the data is that... Um, you know, Connecticut suffered as a result. Uh, you know, they were thriving. They were above the average, U.S. average, in, on almost every, every economic indicator. You know, um, you know, real GDP, so gross economic output, was, was uh, higher uh, per capita than every other state. Uh, uh, they had lower poverty rates than most states, and you know, half the poverty rate than most states. And then you look, you know, less than 10 years later, uh, and the poverty rate had almost doubled. And, uh, you know, their economy slowed uh, as a result. Uh, this is not the kind of stuff we should be trying to uh, replicate here in Illinois. Yeah. And you can just, that's the thing is you can look at these states and you see where people are, are moving, but the numbers bear out. Where, why are people moving besides weather, like to Texas or t- Tennessee or Florida, states with better weather? But Indiana is the same weather as Illinois. People are moving to Indiana. Right. And you'd think that lawmakers would look at that a little bit more. But I do think they are, like you said, well-intended for the most part. And there's just political motivations behind a lot of this stuff instead of looking at, you know, the data behind all, a lot of it. Right. So, uh, so there's this myth going out, uh, out there right now that, um, that we should try to modernize the tax code. Right? Yeah. You know, you heard that during the Pritzker campaign. Hey, let's modernize the tax code. Well, yeah, most states are actually moving back. Uh, reverting from the progressive income tax to a flat income tax, right? So, you know, we're, we're, we're actually ahead of the pack in terms of our tax regime, and we shouldn't be trying to, uh, we shouldn't be doing more harm to our economy by going to a progressive income tax. Move, a move to a progressive income tax is definitely not modernizing the tax code. Yeah. They do like to point out that some of the states around us, even some of the states that we've mentioned that, that are doing well are do have a progressive income tax and one that they like to point out a lot is minnesota 
like to cherry pick different statistics and say, look at this, that they're doing well, and they happen to have a progressive income tax. But there are so many other things on top of, you know, just having a progressive income tax that are the reasons these states are doing well and the reason that Illinois is not doing well. But I think I think it is a, kind of a well-intentioned thing for for the most part. But at the same time, there's political motivations behind a progressive income tax. It is pretty popular, like I said, if you phrase it the right way. Um, and you know, we'll see what the debate's like because I, I think there, there's talking to the public about that. Um, they know a lot's wrong with Illinois' financial condition. We know our our, our budget's in a bad place. Like J.B. Pritzker is talking about right now in advance of his budget address that we have this huge hole, billions of dollars, more than he thought it was when he went into office. So they're kind of gearing up for this argument that, hey, we need a tax hike on the rich. This is the only way to make it happen. Well, the progressive income tax, like you said, is extremely popular. And they do point to Minnesota, but what they never tell you about is is what the rates are like in Minnesota. So right. it means that everybody, no matter what income level you're at, you'd be getting a tax hike compared to today. The, the bottom rate in Minnesota is 5.35%. So literally every Illinoisan who pays an income tax is going to get a tax hike uh, if we go that way. So while we're while you know politicians will point to Minnesota as a, as a state that's doing well in the area, it's just the same argument as as not giving you the details, just pointing to one thing that isn't the cause of this success uh, and saying that we should be like them without telling Illinoisans the truth. Yeah. I think the most important to take out of this is that it's a tax hike on everybody. Right? You you know you you take the bottom rate in Minnesota and you compare it to our rate right now, hey, everybody's going to get a tax hike. Uh, that's the part politicians are not talking about. Another thing is that, you know, you, you have these myths, right? People say, well, you know, the rich, the gap between the rich and the poor is so high. We need a way to fix that. Well, guess what? We found out that the progressive income tax that's been around for a long time in many states has never closed the gap between the rich and the poor. Uh, so it doesn't even work to do that, right? In fact, what it does is it slows economic growth because less capital is, av- is available to low-income families and minority communities. You know, and we know they struggle already. Uh, minority communities already struggle enough to attract capital, to get financing for their projects. So, uh, so it's really, you know, it, you know, it's, it's going to bring, inflict so much harm uh, on everybody, but more, more, uh, even more on minority communities and low-income, low-income households. Uh, so this is one of the main reasons why I think Illinoisans should oppose a progressive income tax. Yeah, it's the same thing with the minimum wage, too. The people are going to be hurt most are those trying to enter the workforce. So these communities where you have people of lower skilled experience looking for entry-level per- jobs, those jobs are going to disappear because the minimum wage isn't just a minimum wage. It's a minimum job that's going to be available to that's you. Right. So that's right. So you're talking about middle-class tax hikes and a loss of entry-level and low-skilled labor. I mean, those two are not a good combination at all. That's right. Um, another thing about the progressive income tax is right now the flat tax kind of acts as a protection almost against right. the middle class tax hike because if they unlock all these different brackets that they make up, maybe they don't raise taxes on the middle class to say hypothetically right away, but then they can come back in a year and say, Hey, like this wasn't enough raising the top bracket to 10%. We need to raise all these brackets because we realize this isn't enough revenue and they can always just keep moving the goalposts, moving the ball down the field and saying, we need to raise taxes on the middle class. We need to raise taxes on this group. And all of a sudden, you have rates like Minnesota, where the bottom rate is five point whatever. Right. But you, you, know, you know what? Uh, you know, I, I, I believe you're absolutely right. Uh, but I think I, I'm not sure that that's what's going to happen in Illinois. The reason why I don't think so is that our spending is so out of control that there's just no way you could give a, a tax cut to the majority of the population and, uh, and, and go ahead and raise the kind of revenue 
that we need to pay the bills, right? Our budget shortfall is huge. We have unpaid bills, uh, a huge backlog of unpaid bills. We have a ridiculous pension crisis uh, where the costs are growing yearly. Uh, and, uh, and I just don't see how that's ever going to be possible. No, now add to that all the campaign promises that J.B. Pritzker made. Uh, you know, if he's going to be a man of his word, well, guess what? Your taxes are going up. Uh, and a progressive income tax guarantees a tax hike on the middle class. Yeah, it's billions in new spending that he's promising on top of that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and just to back to the, the, the creeping up of rates, no matter what, what happens, uh, it's exactly what you see. And like we were talking about earlier, Connecticut was the last state to do it. And they phase in an, an, a progressive income tax. And then as soon as the, the tax gets established, they start raising rates. So it's, it's almost immediate. So whatever, whatever rates were promised and whatever middle class tax relief uh, there was, it's, it's short lived. And then rates just continue to go up and up and up. Uh, and another, another promise that the progressive tax was sold on in Connecticut was property tax relief. And then so uh, since the 90s when this change happened, uh, property tax burdens, so like property taxes paid relative to your income, those have gone up about, uh, by like 35%. So not only did the middle class get stuck with a higher tax burden, but they also get hit with higher property taxes and the state finances have gone down the drain. Yeah, that's something Pritzker actually said at some point during the campaign is this will come with property tax relief. You haven't heard anything about that. And what property tax relief requires is less units of government, uh, pension reform. These are Pension reform especially is something that he has yeah. said he doesn't want to touch. Local unit uh, cutting back on local units of government is something that could happen. We've seen legislation moving with bipartisan support that could gain traction and be, come into law. But those are the things that will come with property tax relief. You have to cut back on the number of governments, almost 7,000 in the state, and you have to reform our pensions. And those are the things we should be talking about, really. Right. But he, you know what does, just doesn't make any sense to me? The first things he did was uh, raise uh, government worker salaries. The second thing he did is raise government worker salaries with the minimum wage, right? So all he did so far is raise the cost of all those things that you've mentioned, cause our property tax burden to increase. Right. So actually, so far, Governor Pritzker is directly responsible for an increase in your property tax burden. That, and, and then, you know, in the same breath, he says, hey, I'm trying to cut your property taxes. Just doesn't but, make any but sense. But not into any specifics about how to cut your property right. taxes. He never talks about the cost drivers behind no, property he taxes. Actually raises, he actually raises the cost. That's the, that was first on his agenda. Yeah. And almost as importantly, there's no mechanism in place to, even if you get those reforms, to, to say that since the state has more income tax revenue or, or whatever kind of revenue it wants to use, that we're going to give it to local governments and then you have to lower the property taxes. There's no assurances given to taxpayers that even if the income tax is raised, that property taxes are going to go down because there's no, right. there's no mechanism in place for the state to disperse money and then require that property taxes come down. So local governments could just keep the levies the same or keep increasing them uh, and make, make taxpayers pay higher property and income taxes. So on top of, besides just opposing the progressive income taxes, that'll lead to a middle-class tax, like what are some of the reforms that need to accompany not, because we can say no, 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 don't raise our taxes, which is a great thing. What are some of the things we should be saying yes on? What are some of the things that we should be moving to lower property tax burden or help the state's budget? Well, well one thing would be uh, not raise discretionary spending, right? You know, it starts with government worker salaries. 
right? You know, uh, we talked uh, last year, we talked about a spending cap, which, by the way, was filed again this year uh, with bipartisan support from Democrats and Republicans. You know, the state needs a spending cap. Why is the state spending more than taxpayers can actually afford to pay, right? So if we could cap spending uh, at uh, the rate of economic growth every year, then we wouldn't be facing uh, tax hikes, or at least we'd restrict or reduce the likelihood of a tax hike. Uh, the second thing would be this uh, pension reform. I'll let Bryce go into the, you know, why we need pension reform, Illinois. Yeah, uh, I mean, we're pouring billions more dollars into the system year in and year out. Uh, systems are becoming less well-funded despite, despite these it's because benefits are growing at such a rapid rate that no matter what kind of returns our investments into pensions generates, uh, the benefits grow even faster. So just aligning those with uh, an actual realistic growth rate that's something that state taxpayers can afford, that's a good thing. Um, and that will definitely reduce state costs, but even more to the local level. School district efficiency is another thing that we saw filed recently uh, with bipartisan support, Democrats mm -hmm. and Republicans, about you know reforming our school district system where we have more school districts in this state than any other state in the nation. We have over 8,000, I think, school districts, right? Uh, and it just, it just makes no sense. We have so many overlapping layers of bureaucracy within the school system that we are stacking up these administrative costs and reducing funds that go to classrooms, and it's made education in the state extremely expensive. Right. I like that you both mentioned things with bipartisan support because there, there are – uh, reform measures that do have both Republican and Democratic sponsors. And I think a lot of people in the state uh, kind of get frustrated or get some apathy thinking that, you know, largely the Democrats in, in the House especially aren't going to sign on to any kind of reform like that. And I get it. I mean, we've seen for decades mm -hmm. Mike Madigan's caucus not want to push forward any reform measures, but there are several measures that Democrats have signed on to recently mm -hmm. that we support that are going to reform spending, reform costs, and, and possibly lower your tax burden. I think the progressive income tax and the minimum wage, part of the reason those become front and center and part of the reason that that's a campaign issue for somebody like J.B. Pritzker is they sound like quick fixes. You don't have to go get into the weeds and talk about school district efficiency or the cost of administrators or the cost of your township or anything. Those are more complicated and, you, and harder to digest. Mm -hmm. So like talking about raising taxes on the wealthy, talking about raising everybody's wage to $15 an hour, those are the sexier things, the things that sound good in a campaign. Politically expedient exactly right? that's that's all it is it's great political talking points to get your vote uh but they, it makes no sense uh it just makes no sense they they say one thing and then do something else um and i'm really hopeful actually this year that uh lawmakers who uh, you know care about their constituents and care about their election outcomes right uh, in the next election uh, well, uh, now that they have, there's no Republican governor, right? Nobody to blame for bad things will be forced to do the right thing and to, you know, to put, you know, all the politics aside a little bit and say, you know, let's try to do the right thing by our constituents because, um, you know, the, the, the state is in a terrible shape and, uh, we can come out the hero if we fix the mess. Right. Uh, so that's kind of my hope, you know, when, when we see a lot of bills being filed, uh, with bipartisan support, you know, that gives me a little hope that we're heading in the right direction. Well, to get any legislation passed, what we need to recognize is that it's going to have to have support from Democrats and Republicans. You know, you can't pass anything just based on, on Republican support in the state because there's just not the numbers for it. So any positive change that's going to happen is we're going to need Democratic support on it. So it's really promising to see 
uh, some bipartisan support on a lot of initiatives that are really good uh, for taxpayers. But then another thing is legislation is going to really move this session because, or if I mentioned it before, uh, last last session, you know, there was a big roadblock with having Rauner as the as the executive. Mm-hmm. So now we have a, a widely popular, from just the, the numbers perspective, uh, governor elected first term wants to get a lot of stuff accomplished. We have 33% of the state legislature are new members, so they're looking to make a name for themselves. They're looking to actually make some changes. So I think we're going to see a lot of things move, and the fact that we have some bipartisan reforms that are going to be really helpful, uh, it makes things pretty promising, even though you know things in the state have been have been messed up for a long time, we could see some real reforms. That's a good way to look at it is looking at their motivations, politicians' motivation. You have an election every two years or four years. Uh, you care about your constituents, the things you guys mentioned. And with unified government, there's no you know boogeyman like Bruce right. Rauner. It's, you have to move legislation and, and stuff, something like school district efficiency, which makes sense for your district and would be politically popular. Yeah, they're going to sign on to it. And that's right. a real optimistic way to look at it. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think, I think they all want to be the hero, right? Yeah. Uh, everybody wants to be a hero. Uh, so all we have to do is hope that they don't make things worse before they get <laughs> before they start making things better, right? Right. Uh, because you know those we you know we had the minimum wage thing, uh, you know, and we had the government salary uh, step increase, and you know they're tempted to do what seems like uh, you know natural to them, uh, but uh, hopefully during that time during that uh, legislative session. They get to hear uh, the truth about some of these policies. Uh, they learn. They get to learn from the past, and uh, and start to make changes uh, to you know for the future of all of Illinois. Yeah, you see that hero complex in politics all the time, like in the national level. I mean, it's the same right. locally at the at the state level. Um, pol- a lot of people get into politics to try to you know, get the accolades and everything, and that's a big motivation. It right. makes it hard to go out on the campaign trail if you don't have that mindset a little bit. Right. Know, no. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the the elections not only have consequences in the actual moment of people going out and voting, but like right now, a lot of people are thinking about their next election. Right. So that's a huge motivating right. factor. And, and Illinoisans, what Illinoisans want, we, we know, is tax relief. Right. Right. Illinoisans want tax relief. The only way to give them tax relief is to adopt the spending cap and reform the growth in our pension liability. That's it. Uh, so I think once, uh, you know, our lawmakers realize that uh, this is what, Illinoisans truly want, all Illinoisans truly want, uh, you know, there's hope. There's hope that they're going to sign on to uh, pension reform and, uh, and, and, and actually say no to this progressive income tax proposal. Well, that's another reason why I think the progressive income tax proposal seems so promising is that the vagueness and by removing any discussion of what the rates are, it makes it seem like it's going to be tax relief. So, you know, tax relief would be an awesome thing. But unfortunately, we can't get it unless we reform spending within the state. But a lot of people aren't looking at it that way. They're just hearing, oh, it's going to be a tax on the rich. I'm going to get some tax relief. Exactly. Uh, and it, you, know, you understand why people want it. They've been taxed to death in the state. Yeah. So. yeah the progressive income tax, in a way, is, is actually popular because tax relief is popular. That's so right. it's disguised Absolutely. as tax, tax right. relief. But if you want to talk about actual tax relief, let's talk about spending drivers, That's cost right. drivers. Yeah. That's right. Is there anything else you guys want to add about the early goings of the legislative session or stuff coming up? Uh, bill filing was today, right? Mm-hmm. So we have, uh, I forget the ta- complete tally right now, we have uh, I think about a dozen bills that were filed in the 
either in the Senate or in the House of Representatives. So we'll be watching as those things move, things like school district efficiency, mm-hmm. the spending cap, uh, local government efficiency, things that can really inspire some positive change. And most of that stuff does have bipartisan support. Um, so, you know, we'll be updating the Lincoln Lobby on the status of those as, and as they move. And I would be looking towards, you know, what we can do to to be at the taxpayer's voice in Springfield. We have the opportunity for a lot of things right now. Um, so just in the first, you know, month or so of session, things are looking positive. Um, so I, I feel pretty optimistic. Yeah, I was really surprised. Um, you know, a dozen bills introduced by both Republicans and Democrats, uh, most of them with bipartisan support that we think are, uh, you know, good policy for the state of Illinois. That's amazing. With a Democrat governor, you know, we, and a Democrat supermajority. Uh, that's amazing. I think, we're, I think there's hope. Uh, you know, things are bad, we know, but there's hope for the future. Uh, they really have a chance in the 101st General Assembly to change things. Uh, and so, um, so we, we'll keep fighting. Uh, we'll keep reporting. We'll keep pushing out, uh, you know, um, uh, our policy products uh, on our website, um, and uh, we'll update the Lincoln Lobby. Uh, so let's uh, let's be hopeful, uh, and let's be optimistic. Definitely, yeah. There's there's hope, and I think what's cool about that is, right after the election, we saw a lot of people who were pretty pessimistic, knowing that Madigan and Cullerton had supermajority control, and now we have Governor Pritzker, and they're talking about all these tax hikes and no spending reforms. But really, there truly is hope. There are bills with bipartisan support that can reform costs. And we're going to be standing firm in opposition to the progressive income tax, which is really just a middle class tax hike. Absolutely.